Hi, this is Theo, and you're listening to Between Two Trains, a bi-monthly business podcast where we interview the best and brightest entrepreneurs in the North DeKalb area. Today, your co-hosts are Van Pappas of Oxygen Financial and Jason Wheelock of Wheelock Realty. And now, Between Two Trains. All right, welcome to Between Two Trains, a business podcast where we interview the best and brightest CEOs, business owners, and entrepreneurs of the North Cab area. Today again, I think this is the fourth episode in a row, my co-host is Jason Wheelock. Jason, welcome to the show. I told you you would not get tired of me, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's good to be back. Thanks, I appreciate it. Uh, You know, we are making a big splash. Uh, We are now, this is episode number 10 or 11, I believe. Um, So it's, it's been a lot of fun getting to this point. And as you know, we always start off our shows with uh, a segment we call Entrepreneur Talk. And today, um, our guests that we're going to bring on after the break are from Piedmont Bank. And so I thought it would be appropriate to have our entrepreneur talk about paying off your mortgage. Finally, we're doing something in my comfort zone. Yeah. Like all these businesses we've been talking about, I've learned something every week. And it's been an incredible ride the last 10, 11 episodes just seeing all that there is out there that people are creating. So, so in your business as a real estate agent, you help people manage yeah. uh, buying a home. And with that comes getting a mortgage. You don't really have too many people paying cash for their home, do you? You would be surprised, actually, how many people pay cash. And sometimes it's the context of the situation in and what I mean by that is we've been in a very hot seller's market. So if people have the resources, a lot of times they will pay cash. Maybe they finance it later after the closing. It gives them leverage. Um, but some people just don't like debt, right? So I think more people pay cash for things than you would believe. Gotcha. So, But with your clients, you're really more helping them get, if they do need to borrow money, get the mortgage. You're not very well having any kind of conversation about paying off their mortgage. No, exactly. They've left, they've left your realm once they get to the point where they need to start thinking about how they pay off the mortgage, correct? The real estate professional is a bridge for most institutions, meaning most of the connections that people have with a banker or mortgage person or many of them come through a connection with a real estate agent, right? So yes, we don't talk about the payoffs because most of the time when people take a mortgage, by the time they sell, they've never paid it off anyway. The average person lives in their home seven years in the US. And in Atlanta, we're even more transient, so people are moving constantly. So I rarely run into people that have paid or are thinking about paying their mortgage off. Gotcha. Well, unfortunately, on my side of the business, I do run into people all the time as a financial planner and so often they want to know, should they pay off their mortgage or should they not pay off their mortgage? Yeah. And uh, I know it's a very difficult question to, to answer. Um, but, you know, honestly, I'm, I think I'm going to blow your mind here, Jason, because Uh-oh. I don't think it's a financial question. A lot of people want to put yeah. dollars and cents on it. Hey, should I take my extra paycheck and put it towards the mortgage, or should I in- invest it? Yeah. Uh, you know, I hear that I can make more money than the four or five percent that I'm paying on my mortgage, 
And, um, but I think really what it is, it's not a financial question, it's an emotional question. And say if that mortgage is 4%, and then you take away whatever tax deduction you may or may not be getting, you have to ask yourself, what's the after-tax cost of borrowing, all right? Mm -hmm. That's usually what people do. Then the question is, after my tax investment, do I do better with the after-tax cost of borrowing compared to my after-tax investment? And, um, you know, that, that's a fine equation to look at, but the real question you need to be thinking is, how would you feel if you got home tonight, Jason, <laughs> and you did not have to make a mortgage payment on your house? How would you feel about that? You're just leading me to water right now. Um, I would love to wake up and not have a mortgage payment. And I know that if your rate is three or 4%, it's hard for many people to justify doing that um, as opposed to having credit card debt and you're what, 20, 30%, obviously you wanna kill that, right? So I think it's just about what allows you to sleep at night. And I imagine that most people that ask you this question are probably in the older end, should I pay off my mortgage? I doubt many younger people are asking you or coming to you with that question at 30, 35, 40 You years would old. be wrong, sir. Well, I am getting I'm in young, the dark then. <laughs> you are in the dark, and we will have to have a conversation yeah. offline a, after the show because, yeah. you know, the sooner you can start whittling away at the debt, the sooner you can be debt-free. And I think that it's something that no numbers can quantify. Mm -hmm. We can have that conversation about the numbers all day long, but you can't quantify that. So, you know... The, the question has to be, how good would you feel each night knowing that you had no mortgage? So it, to me, it's really uh, not a financial question. It, it's an emotional question. And we'll ask our guests when they come on uh, after the break um, and see what they have to say about paying off their mortgage from a banking perspective. Um, you've been listening to Between Two Trains, a business podcast. We are coming to you from the glorious studios of the Chambly Chamber of Commerce in downtown Chambly. And as always, if you've not checked out Chambly recently, you need to come to downtown. A lot of great things are going on, and a lot of them have been going on uh, through partnership with uh, Piedmont Bank, the guests that we, we yeah. have coming on. We'll bring them on right after the break. Do you want to get on the freight train of social media marketing? Go to www.turnsocialintosales.com. Use the code Chamley to get $100 off to the single best two-day social media boot camp you will ever attend. Are you tired of not getting leads on LinkedIn or Facebook, SEO not working, or figuring out how to get on TV and radio and much more? Go to www.turnsocialintosales.com for a two-day boot camp special for Chamley. Use the code Chamley for $100 off. Go to turnsocialintosales.com today. Welcome back to Between Two Trains. Uh, you are listening to a business podcast, and today we have uh, two gentlemen. We've got Mike Kirshner and Butch Morse from Piedmont Bank. And uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Van. I'm Thanks for having us, Van. Appreciate it. So, Jason, um, you may not know this, but Piedmont Bank is... Uh, a small regional uh, mm -hmm. player here in the Atlanta market, and they uh, have recently opened a branch right here in Chambly. Uh, w tell us, uh, Mike, uh, where, where's, or Butch, I'm sorry, where's the, the branch? We're uh, located in the new development called Parkview on Peachtree, right on mm -hmm. Peachtree Boulevard, across 
from the Pig and Chick and the Waffle House. That seems to be a good landmark right at the intersection of Claremont and Peachtree Boulevard. And and how many total branches does Piedmont now have? We actually now have 10 offices, um, soon to be 11. We're working actually on an office um, to start construction in the Gainesville market um, coming up later this year, first of next year. That's uh, further, is that That's further the furthest north. away y'all have gone? Um, or y'all have something no, further than that? We have something in Blue Ridge, Georgia. Late last year, our bank acquired another small bank up in um, North Georgia called Mountain Valley Bank, which we still operate under that trade name, but it is actually owned by the Piedmont Bank. We have an office in um, um, Jefferson, um, Gaines, North Hall, Blue Ridge, um, Mike help me. Um, um, Cleveland is actually the main office for that office. Mm-hmm. They have four offices and we have six. So there's 10 and we're, we're gonna expand in the Gainesville market, which is an up and coming market. And we're working a little bit towards the Athens area with the acquisition actually of an individual who's creating a market as Mike and I did in the Shambly market before we opened um, late last year. So, you know, I'm particularly excited about uh, y'all being in Shambly, and y'all have uh, actually, a lot of our listeners live in the Brookhaven, Shambly, Dunwoody area, and uh, they hear what's going on about uh, a lot of the new development in the Shambly marketplace, and one of the things that's coming down the pike is the new Shambly Town Center, where uh, a group called Seven Oaks is uh, going to soon be presenting the master plan for a town center and uh, Piedmont has been very helpful with with this process so y'all talk a little bit about what y'all have done to help the development authority uh, you know with this town center project well it's a very exciting project I think and uh, something that's it's a concept that's um, become pretty popular uh, with other municipalities around the metropolitan area um, and it's a way to, to leverage the, the resources and the, the, um, the community of the downtown area to bring people together, bring businesses in, and for people to prosper and, and have a great time and have an have a, um, um, a area where people can feel like they're part of something big um, and create jobs, improve the economy, and... Um, provide a lot of benefits for the area and what we did was we were just we're a partner I guess as a as a lender with the downtown development authority of Chambly and we just helped them as they acquired properties throughout the designated downtown development area that at some point and there are different ways that this can be handled but at some point will be turned over to a developer who will develop it into mm-hmm. the downtown the central downtown area that um, will be the the economic focus for downtown and and the magnet that will draw people and businesses and jobs and everything into the area now I know uh, having a participated with the development authority they came to you mike about maybe four or five years ago when a piece of property was up for sale and they wanted to acquire it uh mainly to make sure that um 
you know, as they formulated their plans for a town center, that it didn't go a different direction. So when when they approached you and said, "Hey, we want to buy this property. It has a tenant. It's producing income and all that." What was the process of going through and saying, "Hey, do we really want to take a chance on this new organization that's really only been around for a year?" Um, and uh, at that point, you know, there was no intergovernmental agreement with the city of Shambly. It was pretty much y'all were sticking your neck out for the development authority. Well, in, in some regards, maybe we were, but the city of Shambly's been around for a long, long time. The location, the people, it's a fantastic market with all kinds of potential. And you just look around the surrounding surrounding communities too and see what Shambly's done and the potential that Shambly has. And it makes it a no-brainer idea for us. It was just, we had to be there, we had to be involved in it, and we want to stay involved in it. Well, I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities for that uh, once we see the final product from Seven Oaks. Now, now, Butch, uh, tell us a little bit about your role at the bank. Uh, are you strictly just in the commercial mortgage side, or what are, you, what are you in charge of? My role is more the market executive for the Shambly-Brookhaven market. Uh, Mike and I together are the primary commercial lenders, but we do all types of lending, including mortgage lending, car loans, boat loans. Um, we do have some other people in our group that focus more on that, but Mike and I's background is primarily on the commercial side. So we're working more with small businesses to medium-sized businesses to even large, but we, we sort of tend to gravitate to the smaller to medium-sized um, businesses in the in the local market, primarily Shambly, Brookhaven market, Dunwoody, because we do have an office in Dunwoody as well. So uh, our role is looking for new relationships and helping our existing relationships grow through uh, corporate lines of credit, um, letters of credit, uh, term financing for equipment, uh, real estate financing similar to what we did for um, the Downtown Development Authority. So. What is it that y'all, speaking specifically to business owners, where do you think your bank sets itself apart or differentiates itself from other banks? There's a lot of choices for small There's business. There's no question. It's, it's the people to, person to person, people to people part of it. Um, we're very hands-on, very responsive. Um, money's money. It's all green. Yeah. It's all the same. The thing that differentiates the banks and differentiates the people is the service that you give. And we try to be responsive and creative and um, attentive to whatever the needs are of our um, borrowers and our customers. And I think that's what keeps us yeah. different, makes us different, keeps us separate from, the, from some of the other folks around. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, Mike and I have had this conversation for years now about uh, that banker relationship and, you know, nothing against the big conglomerates. I won't say any of their names uh, on our show, but, you know, sometimes you're just a number to them. You know, you don't have that personal touch. In fact, I'll tell you a little story um, about how Mike gave that personal touch. Uh, so uh, what, Jason, you may not know, but we... Um, the Shambly community has a great neighborhood called Huntley Hills, and they were in a desire to build a new swim and tennis yeah, clubhouse. And this. so, uh, you know, they um, approached Mike about how could they do this financially. They, they knew they didn't have enough cash, and, uh, uh, you know, they got approved 
different amount, and then as they were shopping, developers found out it was going to cost $100,000 more than what they had gotten approved. And so a quick call to Mike uh, two hours later after he had a conversation with his people. Uh, the, the call came back. Uh, he's pointing to Butch. <laughs> so it was Butch that made that call. Uh, so uh, it was, hey, you've got your extra 100000 I don't it's know that you could do that with the big conglomerate. You definitely couldn't do it in a two-hour period. And I don't even know if they'd give you the extra money at that point. It was a, a big chance that they took uh, because it's not like if uh, – if they had to foreclose on a swim and tennis club, there's right. not a lot of people they can sell that piece of property to. <laughs> right. Sex and Woods, maybe? Yeah, maybe they'll sell it to Sex and Woods or, or the Gainsboro uh, pool. Um, so. Well, we talk about differentiating factors. And, you know, it's not just the numbers. It's Huntley Hills has been around for a long, long time. The board members have been, have been residents of Huntley Hills for a long, long time. Um, it's an established, growing community with lots and lots of opportunity and um so it wasn't it wasn't a risk for us so i I, I, i'm gonna this sort of was a setup that they may not have realized so um you you mentioned that there's a little bit of a it's not about the numbers so there's some art to it so in our first segment we talked about paying off the mortgage and i proposed to jason that um, you know, paying off your mortgage is not necessarily a numbers question, but an emotional question. It sounds like a similar scenario here that you looked at more than just the numbers of can this organization or can this development authority make their payments, but what's the background behind of it? So I'd like to know, you know, y'all heard that first segment, you know, what's your views about paying off a mortgage as a bank? Do you care one way or another if someone pays off their mortgage? A couple things. We like to get paid back. There's no question about it. We like to make loans. We like to get paid back. But a little, to me, a little bit of leverage is not bad. I mean, people ought to not get deep in debt, but a little bit of leverage is good if it makes sense. Um, it, it's not a numbers, all totally a numbers thing. I know, you know, you could look at most situations and say, if you've got $100,000 sitting over here in a savings account and a $100,000 balance on your mortgage, you put the, pen, put the pencil to it, it's going to say, there's, yeah. there's no reason why I should have $100,000 sitting over there in a savings account. I need to pay the mortgage off and save my 4 or 5% that I'm paying on the mortgage. But you do that, and then you don't have your $100,000. What if something comes up where you need a hundred thousand? Somebody gets sick, or you need to buy a new car, or bankers or always talk about liquidity when we're underwriting. Yeah. Even how much liquidity? There's no so. doubt you can't you can't take a brick out of your house and put it on the table for food. So I, I get that so concept. We'll always encourage people to balance that liquidity and that debt, um, and I think emotionally it can be. Do I if I have the opportunity to pay off that mortgage? mortgage yeah. good but it's very much like mike says if if you take that hundred thousand dollars and pay off that mortgage if you do get sick or you do have a financial crisis that you need that hundred thousand dollars then you're going to be going back in debt again recreating new costs to to leverage that asset again which had you just left things alone and kept going right. on that cycle i mean a lot of times 
And I don't know what Van's thinking is as a financial planner, but we encourage customers sometimes to create that home equity piece of debt, if nothing else, if they have no debt, to have some additional uh, liquidity in the event of a financial uh, I, I personally think a home equity line of credit is a very good thing for everyone to have if they if the bank will, will give it to them. So, oh, Jason, oh, did you have something? I, I was just going to comment that I've there was a wise financial planner that once told me that 5% was a magic number, and if I can pull debt below 5%, then I can outperform with that remaining liquidity and other investments or just holding on to it, doing better things. And if it goes above 5%, um, try to knock it out, right? So I think that almighty interest rate is is key. Would you guys agree when it comes yeah, to keeping that? Point where it, you know, if you've got an 8% mortgage, well, that's, you need to pay it off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but if you have a 3% mortgage, Pe that's People a forget that it wasn't that long ago <laughs> that there were 7 and 8%, and people definitely forget the 80s, which yeah. I'm sure you all remember where they were double digits. Right. My first mortgage was 15%, and I thought I had a great deal. At <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 15%, you were yeah. thanking the bank for loaning it. You better believe it. Right. You better believe it. Well, um, one of the things that I ask a lot of our guests, um, you know, to, to tell us um, you know, what the most important thing when starting a new business. So y'all deal with businesses that come and say, hey, we want to borrow money to start this business. You know, what would be the most important thing you would tell someone who's ready to take that leap and start their own business should that's, be? That's a tough question. There's a lot of really important things, but I think I would probably pick capital. That, that was first on my list. Capital yeah. and a bus good Imagine business. Imagine Jason, the banker, saying capital <laughs> is the most important thing to start a business. But, but I tell people all the time, only in America can you probably start a business with a $1,000 credit card limit. I mean, it's, yeah. it, this is a great place to be an entrepreneur, in my opinion. So would you tell these young entrepreneurs or these startup entrepreneurs they should come to you first, or do they need to go to the Small Business Administration, or where should they be going well, first when it talks about trying to attain capital? Well, it, beyond that, before that, they, they need to have a plan. Well, of course. An idea, a plan. They're going to talk to me as their financial planner about their plan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, you know, capital is definitely a part of it, for sure. But I think, you know, there's some resources out there, SCORE and the University of Georgia, has some some folks I can't remember exactly what their name was, but there's a there's a group the, with the University of Georgia, an economic development group, and I think they actually even have an office in Shambly that'll help you put together a business plan. Wow! So that's two I, I see a future uh, guest for between two trains. Right. Foreshadowing. Yes. Yep. Uh, th there's two resources right there that, for no charge, will help you put together a business plan. Yeah, I think there's a. One of the biggest reasons businesses fail is poor planning. If you look at the failure, there's so many folks who probably go into it blind and fly by night, right? So I tend to agree with you. And I also agree, piggybacking on what you said, Van, that we have one of the best countries when it comes to access to financing anything. I've visited Latin America a number of times. One of the things you'll notice when you leave our country and go south of the border is how you'll see a real estate project that looks like it's been sitting for years because they have to build it with cash. So they build it a little at a time as it goes because they can't even finance the most basic thing in this that we in this country can do for as little as, what, 3%? Right. A real estate project? I just think it's incredible 
um, the options that institutions like yours bring to us to be able to start businesses. We enjoy meeting with young people trying to start their own business. And what we can do is offer advice. Sometimes maybe we can't always do the loan, but I think one of the things of being a successful banker, as Mike and I have both been over the last four years, is being able to offer advice Mm -hmm. and guide people in the direction, whether it be to the bank or to to SBA or, or in another direction, to get the opportunity started. And I think that's the difference. Again, Mike hit on this early on about the difference between us and a bigger bank is that that's what we do every day. I mean, we meet with a lot of people. It's not always to make the loan, but a lot of times it's offer advice and, and help and structure of what type of credit they may need, where they can go to get the resources um, for the business plan and or possible capital. Well, you've been listening to Between Two Trains, and uh, guys, we have a special segment that we like to do if you've listened to the show before. We call it Hot or Not, where we are going to throw out some some uh, statements, topics, sentences to you and ask you to tell us if this is a hot thing or not such a hot thing. And so, um, Jason, you want to start us off with the first Hot or Not? I'm going to go with something I'm really familiar with, and that's the um, what has now maybe been kind of seen as a negative, an arm, adjustable rate mortgage, right? It got a sort of a bad name during the mortgage crisis a decade ago, right? But I tend to think it's hot myself, depending on the situation. What do you all think? Hot or not? Mike? My vote is not. <laughs> Rates are going up, and um, it's... Yes, you can get a lower rate with an yeah. arm right now today, but where are you going to be in a year? I don't know. I don't know where rates are going to go, but the forecasts are that rates are going to go up a good bit. But I, I would say probably not. I mean, is again, I, the, the rates right now are not even as they've gone up recently, and I know Jason sees it as much as we do, probably dealing with his clients. But and it may be now because of the rising rates. All of a sudden, it has become hot. But we still think that mortgage rates are not, again, beyond in 2006, I think, um, 2005, I know, rates, interest rates were 6%. Mm-hmm. And we were in a very, uh, very hot market even at that point. So I, I don't know how much, but I, I tend to agree with Mike. We're in a rising rate environment. So you got to think five years or whenever that's well you you know i mean we can sit here and every situation slightly different what i usually tell my people if they are asking about uh, adjustable rate mortgages is typically if you're going to stay in your home longer than two years you probably want to avoid it but you know every situation's different i would definitely suggest that if someone's looking at that, talk with their banker, talk with their CPA, talk with their financial planner, and, and figure it out from there. All right, so another hot or not, interest-only loans. How about that? We talked about, Jason mentioned adjustable rates. What about interest-only? Is that a? I, I, would, I would say probably it's not as hot as it was at one time. Uh, again, because the interest rates are fairly, you know, fair, still fairly good. So we don't have as many requests as we did for interest, unless it's a, for construction. Right. That's a whole nother. Short-term financing. Right. So uh, if it's short-term, yes. If it's long-term, no. no. Okay. I would agree with that. Yeah. 
let's let's change it up and throw a, a different hot or not. So two weeks ago, we had a guest on our show um, who had started a woman's entrepreneur group. So women business owners, hot or not, the, you better say the right thing on this one. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would say actually it is hot. Yeah. Um, and I, we're running into more. I actually have three customers of my own that are women's own enterprise businesses. So I think it's becoming more and more important, particularly if you plan on dealing with any type of larger company to do business with and or government agency. They have a tendency to have more opportunities that you might miss. If you I touched on this two weeks ago in my industry. Um, women are dominant in many cases. You walk into especially a residential real estate office, the folks at the top of the scoreboard are, are women in many cases. Well, the one that is really most appealing to me on our hot or not is just one single word, and that the word is shambly. Hot or not, Mike? Hot for sure. Yeah. Sizzling. Definitely Sizzling. Sizzling. <laughs> we're getting that a lot. Every yeah. time I, I ask that of every yeah. guest, and we're getting more and more guests saying very hot or sizzling or on fire. Um, so what, what would you attribute that to? Why is it all of a sudden? Because, you know, Shambly, I've, I've lived here almost my entire life, and, you know, it wasn't always that way here in Shambly. Location, uh, availability of real estate property buildings, and uh, access to um, transportation, um, there's, there's nothing else that is as convenient or well-situated from a location standpoint in Metro Atlanta as, as Chambly. Inside 285, mm-hmm. interstates, uh, rapid rail, MARTA. Um, well, we got the planes, trains, and automobiles, right? Planes, Don't let's not forget about PDK. It's right here. And then there's, but the key thing, though, is there's availability. There's, there's land, buildings. Um, and and properties that are available, there's room to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to Between Two Trains. Uh, Jason, any final hot or nots or parting words? I just, um, I think it's really refreshing as a business owner to have um, bankers on that really understand um, that personal relationship. I know that I have had to switch banks before because I couldn't get anybody on the phone of relevance. Um, so I really appreciate y'all's um, particular involvement locally in the community. I think that's a really key attribute. Yeah, and let's not forget, they are still a, also a bank, so it's not just about loans, right? right that's correct. Yeah. You know, we do uh, take deposits, <laughs> which are a big part of what we... We, we can't do the loans that's without right. the deposits. You know. We're trying to, you know, grow the bank, and deposits are a very, very big mm-hmm. part of what we do every day. Do you so. find do you find it difficult uh, competing with the big boys from a technology standpoint when offering services to the the depositor, the the local resident says, "Hey, I want to open a checking account, savings account," and you may not have all the fancy technology that a conglomerate, a big national bank might have? I would say as as time has gone on, Van, we've gotten closer together to what the bigger banks are doing. We we have, I would say, 95% to 98% of the services that most 
bigger banks have. So that has not really been that big a problem or that big a challenge even as of today. I mean, again, I think it goes back, and Mike and I talk about it, is relationship banking. And if, if somebody is not looking for that, then probably we may not be right. the most appealing thing. But if you're looking for somebody you can pick up the phone when you can't get anybody else and you're sent to a 1-800 number, we're going to be able to help you. And I think that's why I've enjoyed being part of, and Mike too, being part of community banking for 40 years. <laughs> Well, uh, we've been listening to Between Two Trains. We've had uh, Mike Kirshner and Butch Morris from Piedmont Bank. Uh, guys, if someone wants to reach out to Piedmont, uh, what would you suggest? Uh, come into the local Chambly branch or call you up? or How do, how do they get a hold of you? They can reach us by um, e- email, um, or, or our main number is um, 770-351-6303. And um, or come in. We, we've got lots. We of love people. company. We love company. <laughs> so e- either. Well, Van, I'm gonna have to take uh, July off. I think it's been fun. Last couple months on the show, I'm about to head off and climb Mount Kilimanjaro for eight days. So awesome. We'll That's talk, great. We'll we will. See you on we the will flip miss. Side. We will miss you yeah. for a couple episodes, and we'll bring you back. Thank you for the, uh, the last few episodes that you've been my co-host. And uh, thank you, fellas, for coming on the thank show. You. Thank you. We appreciate it. And you've been listening to Between Two Trains. You can hear us on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, or go to our website, Between Two Trains. That's the number two, betweentwotrains.com. Thanks a lot. So. Are you telling me I should pay off my mortgage, man? <laughs>